Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My dear fellow members of God's heavenly country, it's the most wonderful time of the year with kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Okay, before we get too much uproar, no, I'm not talking about Christmas, what Andy Williams was talking about in his Christmas carol. It's July, after all. And no, I'm not talking about Independence Day, which we celebrate tomorrow with the jingling of fireworks and the clanging of grills and all the celebrations and festivities that come with the 4th of July. What I'm talking about, the most wonderful time of the year, is something that's been going on since America was even a dream and actually something that's, going, that's been going on even before the birth of Jesus. I'm talking about the harvest. In ancient times, before the advent of easily accessible food in grocery stores, the harvest was the most wonderful time of the year. All of those storehouses that were almost depleted could finally be refilled. All those workers who had been laboring over the past months, they could finally enjoy the fruit of their labor. They could fill their bellies. The harvest for ancient peoples was a time of great celebration. There was singing and dancing and rejoicing. It was the most wonderful time of the year. In our sermon text and gospel lesson for today, Jesus is talking about the harvest time, but he's not talking about the physical harvest of crops. Jesus is talking about a spiritual harvest of believers. He was speaking to 72 people. He was about to send them out into the mission field that is the world, and these people were going to bring back a harvest of souls for the kingdom of God. Jesus was going to prepare these 72 to go out for his purpose on his mission. And he was sending them out to take this task. And he would be with them, protecting them from danger as they went. So that they could return with joy Rejoicing in the salvation that was theirs. So yes, it's the most wonderful time of the year. A harvest for the 72 and a harvest for us. We read from Luke chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, 
for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town are, we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me, but whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the gospel of our Lord. The novelist Miguel de Cervantes once said, To be prepared is half the battle. Jesus spoke these words to 72 people who were going out to face a spiritual battle. He was sending them out into the world to collect his spiritual harvest. And Jesus doesn't mince words. This was going to be a difficult task. Sure, there were some who would accept them and accept their message with joy. But there were so many who would reject them. They were going to face physical and emotional aggression towards them and their message. Jesus says they're going to go out like lambs among wolves. Such daunting threats faced these 72 messengers. One thing became clear as they considered their task. They were going to need to rely on the Lord. Especially given the breadth of their task, they were going to go to every town and place where Jesus was about to go. As Jesus prepares these 72, we're confronted with the reality that the world is a big place. Jesus had previously sent out 12 disciples to certain cities in Israel. Now he was sending out 72 more to other towns and villages in and around Israel But the breadth of our call spans even further. We heard on ascension that we are to be Christ's witnesses to the ends of the earth. We're going to need more harvesters. Jesus had plans for this. In his instructions, he told the disciples, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Notice that these people weren't called on to raise up their own harvesters. Instead, they were to place things in the hands of the master. So how are you doing at praying to God to send more harvesters into his field? Sometimes some of you are more concerned with your purses and bags and sandals, the things that these 72 were told to left behind. More concerned with those things than getting out into the harvest field. And you who are out in the harvest field, so often you forget that you're supposed to ask God for more harvesters. You're treating this group project as if it's a solo endeavor. 
these failures are the result of not looking to the master of the harvest, the one who has sent us. The one who has sent us is the Son of God sent by the Father on that first Christmas. Jesus came for the purpose of giving up his life so that there could be a spiritual harvest. If there was no Lord Jesus, well then I guess all we'd be left with was focusing on our bags and our our purses and on doing things for personal prestige. But Jesus did come on Christmas. He did come to give up his life on the cross to ensure a spiritual harvest across the globe. We're assured that our names are written in heaven with the blood of Jesus. It's only the master who can send out harvesters into his field. We have to pray to God to send out more harvesters. It's his field after all. As we send our prayers to the Lord, we recognize that we're also the answers to those prayers. And and not just the answers to the prayers of people here at Abiding Grace, but answers to prayers that are taking place throughout the globe. I'm reminded of, of one of the great blessings of prayer. Whenever we pray for something, it's at the forefront of our mind. It, it's more likely that it's going to take shape in how we live our lives. If, if I want a new car and I'm praying to God to give me a new vehicle, well, I'm more cognizant of that prayer. I'm more likely to stop at a dealership, to converse with a friend or a neighbor to ask if, if they've heard anything about any deals on vehicles. The same thing is true when we pray to God to send more harvesters into his fields. As we ask God to send gospel workers, we more naturally speak about the saving message of Jesus. And as we speak that message, we encourage others to do the same thing We're thankful that God answers our prayers and does send us out to speak peace and forgiveness to those who need it. If you ask a sheep herder, just about the last thing they would ever do was send their flock out into a field with a bunch of ferocious wolves. That'd be a pretty quick way to find yourself out of a job. Jesus gives us protection as we go out and carry out his mission He sends us with other people to go and do the work. He promises to be with us as we do the task. And he also has equipped us with a weapon to defeat our enemies. Jesus gives us the promise, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. And Jesus was right. Those 72 returned with joy. They had driven out demons. They had watched as spiritual enemies were defeated. But they didn't fully grasp the depth of Jesus' perfection. They were enamored with the power and authority they had. And yes, they did drive out demons. But more than that, they were proclaiming the good news to people who needed to hear it. Jesus helped them reframe their minds. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. As these people were proclaiming the message, they drove out demons, but more than that, they shared the kingdom of God with lost souls. 
they got to see as Satan's grasp was ripped apart from this world. They looked to the Lord of the harvest and trusted him, and he was successful in his mission. Many come to faith in the preaching of the gospel. That's a reason for rejoicing. We rejoice in our salvations. We rejoice that those spiritual snakes and scorpions are defeated. God has promised us rejoice. Your names are written in heaven. Write it in Sharpie. Put it in ink. Inscribe it on stone. You are members of God's kingdom. I hope by now that you've come around to the idea that this is the most wonderful time of the year. Sure, it's July. We're far from Christmas and the fireworks haven't started quite yet. But the harvest is here. And there are so many who don't know the Lord of the harvest. And so we go. We've been prepared. We recognize that we need Jesus to do this work. We've been sent out and we've been equipped with what we need to defeat our foes, protection, God's word, which causes all of our spiritual enemies to be defeated. So yes, it's the most wonderful time of the year. So pick up your Bibles and go, for God's kingdom is near. Amen. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Please stand as we confess together the words of the Nicene Creed found on page 10 of the bulletin. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, true God from true God begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. And the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated as we continue with the prayer of the church. <clears throat> 